Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Dana Bash is my CNN colleague. Dana is CNN's chief political correspondent and co-anchor of State of the Union with Jake Tapper and Dana Bash, the network's Sunday morning newsmaker show. I say with some emphasis because this coming Sunday, you'll want to watch her at night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, rising hate, anti-Semitism in America. This is Dana Bash. Dana, thanks so much for being here. I've already seen the rough cut. I was really taken with this special broadcast. Well, thank you. It was uh, a lot of of blood, sweat, and tears. And um, I was actually really... um, Surprise is probably not the right word for it. Maybe overwhelmed when I was asked to do this special because I am Jewish and I'm a proud Jew. And it is the notion of anti-Semitism is just something that you you, you know about, you think about as part of your life as, as a Jewish person. But I've also, as a journalist, observed the uptick in anti-Semitic uh, uh, incidents and even bloody, deadly attacks. And so doing this hour, going through, not just describing what has happened, but why it is happening, has been among the most uh, rewarding and important things I think I've I've ever done. Have you personally experienced anti-Semitism, been the victim of it? It's a really good question. Uh, Yes, the answer is yes. And in, in... in was it 2008? Yeah, I believe it was either in the 2008 or 2012 presidential race. Um, I said something that truly was innocuous, but it was taken as a, a slap at Ron Paul, not Rand Paul, his father, Ron Paul. The candidate had nothing to do with it, but his supporters started attacking me. And as, as, soon, as soon as those attacks started, it quickly devolved into anti-Semitism. It wasn't about my journalism. It wasn't about what I said, even though it really was misconstrued. It was about who I was. And somebody made a fake Twitter account with my maiden name, which is Schwartz, over an Israeli flag. Uh, And that kind of stuff happened to me. That was pretty much, at least as far as I know, the only incident in which I uh, was attacked in that way for my Judaism. But what we talk about in the hour is vicious attacks, Michael, vicious attacks 
on other journalists like Julie Yaffe. I was just going to say article about Melania Trump. Yeah, I was just going to say she writes about Melania Trump's uh, background, origins, genealogy in Slovenia, including the fact that she had an illegitimate half brother and all of a sudden finds herself on the receiving end of vicious anti-Semitism. Vicious anti-Semitism. And here's the thing. The most important thing when it comes to hate of any kind, but this particular hour is about anti-Semitism, is when the leaders of this country and the people who the these uh, these people who are attacking, in this case, Julia Yaffe, um, don't hear stop from the person that they think they're trying to help. It's a green light. It opens the door. And there there was data. We talked to a, a professor, somebody who focuses on the data here, who saw a spike in anti-Semitic data after Donald Trump, in an interview with our colleague Wolf Blitzer, refused to condemn the anti-Semitic attacks on Julia Yaffe, the people who were doing it on his behalf. I, there's always been a, a bit of a curiosity about me, and I haven't done this for years, but it was the case a couple of years ago that if it was pointed out to me that if I were to type into a search engine, is Michael Smirkanish, the first thing that would pop up would be Jewish, as in a question. Really? And I, yeah, really? and I always wonder. I always wonder, like, like who is it that is out there listening or watching and wondering? Hmm, I wonder if he's Jewish. By by the way, mom converted, so I have a foot in the tribe. Okay, that's the that's the real answer. <laughs> but I just always and, and and it was it was soon thereafter followed by. Well, I won't even give you the rest of the list, but the the part of your special, a number of things really jumped out at me. But one of them was the former skinhead. I promise I won't give it all away. But the former skinhead okay. who said, "You can be on a thousand street corners at once." Now, first of all, who is he, and in what context was he making that statement? His name is Damian Patton. He was a homeless kid, a runaway from a pretty um, <clears throat> tough house in Los Angeles in the 1980s. He was living on the streets and got lured into uh, white supremacy to become a skinhead. And he got lured in because they made him feel wanted. They made him feel comfortable. They looked and sounded important. And he said at first it wasn't even the, wasn't the content of what they were saying, but he quickly just thought that this was the norm and this is what I needed to do. He was highly Hitler. And then he was a talented guy. So he became a recruiter himself. And very long story short, he ended up getting out uh, of the skinheads because he was involved in a, a real anti-Semitic crime as a young guy. I think he was still was before he was 18 years old. And since then, <clears throat> he has he went into the military and he really became focused as uh, as a civilian following that on how to fight hate now. And, the, and to answer you, it's a long way of answering your question. He said back then you have to you had to physically recruit people on the street corner. Now you do it on the Internet. So when he could get one person now, if he were on the Internet, he could get a thousand people. And that is so pervasive and so dangerous. And we saw it looking at various uh, command centers, various groups who are looking at all of this. And it is so wild. I mean, Michael, the thing that scared me as a parent is the that kids. it's also in the gaming system. I saw it. Gaming I couldn't believe it. Platforms Could that are, not exactly, believe it. That are focused on young kids. 
Yeah, there was a there was a lot of frightening stuff. Of course, the the core of your report and Dana's package runs this special, I should say, runs Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's called Rising Hate, Anti-Semitism in America. But what you point out with data, you rely on the ADL and others who track this sort of thing, is that anti-Semitism, violence against Jews, had been in years of decline and then saw a spike in 2016. So, of course, you then look at what was going on in 2016, a very high-profile election. What is it about 2016 that brought this out? What thoughts can you share? It was... The, what I mentioned before, it was the fact that there was a normalization of hate. And whether it was terms like Kung Fu from the, the, the now former president, then candidate, or again, just letting things fester that were coming from his supporters. I remember covering the John McCain campaign. That kind of stuff happened. And I watched John McCain over and over say, no. Barack Obama is not a Kenyan Muslim. That's right. not true. You have to stop saying that. That didn't happen in this case. And what's so fascinating while we're on the subject of Trump is that what I tried to do here, Michael, both in this segment and in another segment about the rise of anti-Semitism on college campuses, which is coming from the far progressive left, is I tried to operate and tell the story in the, in the shades of gray that you don't really get because it's such a, 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 an emotional, divisive um, topic. And on the Trump side, I have people saying, look, there is nobody who's been closer to the Jewish community ever in the history of the White House because his kids and grandchildren are Jewish. He did wonderful things for the Middle East, and yet he allowed these anti-Semitic tropes and attacks and, you know, Jews must not replace us chants to fester and continue. And, uh, you know, the same kind of thing uh, on, on the left, whereas you have so many progressives who are all about inclusivity and all about, uh, you know, sharing and not, and not um, making anybody feel bad for who they are. And yet when they're supportive of a cause, and in this case, what has been going on more and more um, broadly, especially in college campuses, is support for the Palestinian cause, which, by the way, most Jews support that, too. They support Palestinian human rights. But because it's complicated and there are shades of gray, that has quickly devolved in some very prominent cases, one of which we tell, into anti-Semitism. Right. Well, I want to see that, but I don't think that someone who, and you're not saying this, I don't think that someone who speaks for Palestinian rights is, is by definition, anti-Semitic. And sometimes I think that's exactly right. That's the point. I think that label is too quickly applied. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. 
Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So here was an observation that I had when I was when I was watching anti-Semitism in America. You document the 2016 spike in violence against Jews. And what I was thinking is you use the word normalization. What frightens me is that I think people who harbor these views now felt more comfortable or willing in publicly expressing them, even if hidden behind some some Internet address. And what it said to me is, don't ever forget these thoughts are lurking. And in certain environments, these people will espouse them publicly. But just because you don't hear them doesn't mean they don't exist. You follow? That's right. Totally, totally follow. And that's one of the things I say. It used to be um, your crazy uncle at the dinner table or an extremist uh, group or somebody who is, is again, um, has these, has these views and, uh, and is not a part of mainstream society. And your point, and that is definitely what I learned is that has changed. That has changed. And it changes only when leaders allow it to, to, to go on without condemning them. I mean, there are other reasons, but that's one of the big reasons. Right. But also now you don't have to expose yourself to the public like you might you might not know if someone shares your hate. But now via the Internet, you can go find those people. You you, you can be on a thousand street corners at once, uh, just as that skinhead said. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. The Internet is so wonderful for so many reasons. But this is an area where it is scary. And then that's kind of good. We talked about gaming and then there's the social media platforms. And we talked to experts about this who say, yes, they do some things, but they could do so much more. And listen, I mean, how many times have we heard that when it comes to political speech, when it comes to or hate speech, when it comes to hate speech across the board, um, they could be doing a lot more. They have the money, they have the technology, they have the resources and uh, they don't. And don't, they do some, but they don't do enough. Two, two, two other things, if I may. I don't want to give it all away, but I want to first ask, are you at liberty to say anything about the Secure Community Network? I think that I, I made notes while I was watching in Chicago where you were granted access and I never knew places like that existed. Yes. It's, the reason we learned about them is because the 
hostage situation that happened in January of this year in Colleyville, Texas, there were four hostages taken during a Sabbath service, including the rabbi. And after 11 hours, they were able to escape. The rabbi there threw a chair at the hostage taker and the others ran out the door. This was at the same time the FBI was actually coming in, but they actually escaped. And the reason that they were able to do that and survive all those 11 hours until then is because they had training from this secure community network. There are other organizations like them, but what they do is they, first and foremost, train synagogues, um, camps, uh, Jewish community centers, others. And by the way, I should say, like here in D.C., I know for a fact that they uh, were working with a synagogue and they invited the broader community. There had been a, a school shooting near there. They invited the broader community. So they're interested in helping not just the Jewish community, but the community at large learn skills. Where are the exits? How do I keep calm? How do I, you know, how do I act and react in, the, in, a, in a terrifying, literally terror moment? Um, but they also try to prevent it. And they have, you allude to this, a command center in Chicago where they monitor threats. They have uh, former intelligence analysts and so forth, and they sit at desks 24-7, and they don't just look on the web that you and I look at, but they go deep into the dark web. And they have relationships with law enforcement across the country, and they have helped to prevent many attacks. The show is valuable. As I say, I saw a rough cut of it. It'll be even better when I see the final version on Sunday night at 9 p.m. One final question unrelated for Dana Bash. I have to take advantage of the fact that you are here. Um, I just want to give you my thought of the day, and it is as follows. Donald Trump does not want to see that affidavit ever come to light as evident. Okay, can you can you back me up on that? I mean, as evidenced by the fact that his lawyer said nothing. Exactly. That was just what I was going to say. If you really wanted to see it, the lawyer would have made that case in court. The lawyer didn't. This is a political uh, move that he's making to pretend like he wants transparency and to pretend like he wants to out uh, the FBI DOJ about going in with no real reason. But he doesn't really want that. It is it's a political ploy. And that's it. And and by the way, I think it's quite effective so far. I mean, I, this morning totally I'm, I'm spinning the dial on my way to work in the 5 a.m. hour and I'm hearing on Fox. Well, you know, Mr. Trump wants that affidavit released. And I'm like, this is not true. Of course he doesn't. All of it is. Everything he is doing right now is effective. Yep. But the question is, and we could go go down a, a large rabbit hole is here. But the question is, to what end? It's effective for him. But I'm hearing more and more from Republicans, I don't know if you are, that it's probably not that effective for them, those who are on the ballot, because they want to talk about the economy. They want to talk about uh, immigration. They want to talk about issues that are not this uh, for their own. um, Well, I know who agrees with I know who agrees with Dana Bash. That would be one Mitch McConnell. (laughs) Right. Oh, big time. Big time. I mean, that's the explanation for what he said yesterday. Hey, please yeah, come back. Exactly. I wish I wish you good things for Sunday I, night, and please come back and talk I, politics. Okay, I would love to. And I just want to say, you, you, I've said this to you before, but I want to say it again. You host my second favorite show on CNN. <laughs> That's hysterical. Okay, you set a high our, bar. Our executive producer Abigail Crutchfield. I would. I have to give her a shout out because. She is probably your most loyal viewer, aside from your family. Thank God for Abigail. I need more Abigails. <laughs> Dana, thank you. Have a great day and good luck Sunday okay. night. Thanks for uh, having Dan- me.
Dana Bash's program is Sunday night. I told you already, rising hate, anti-Semitism in America, 9 p.m. Eastern time. I've seen it and, and really found it to be worthwhile. So if you're not available on Sunday night, you know, set your VCR, do whatever you need to do, but give her some play because you will not be sorry that you did. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Having just spoken with Dana Bash about uh, anti-Semitism, I, I want to tell you just a very personal thing that happened just today before I came on air. <clears throat> and the quick setup is uh, as follows. Regular listeners know that in May, I guess it was May of this year, I had this wonderful experience where... I traveled abroad for a very short time period. I had been invited to see, uh, bear witness to the Polish relief efforts for Ukrainian refugees. And the Poles really have done God's work in this regard. And I know you've seen the film footage, but I did a, a broadcast for Sirius XM POTUS uh, from Warsaw and also hosted my CNN program from Warsaw, t- talking only about you know what was going on uh, in terms of the Poles giving comfort, giving food, giving shelter to Ukrainians who had been displaced because of Putin's invasion. And on the final day that I was in Poland, I was able to to pull together a visit to the remains of a village where my great-grandfather left, emigrated, to come to the United States in the late 19th century. Swerzhova Ruska is what it's called. It's in southeast Poland, about 12 miles from the Slovakia border. My family history on my father's side had always been a great mystery. And here I was 
with this wonderful experience of actually walking in the footsteps of my great grandfather. Shame I, I never had the chance to explain all of this to my father because we didn't know the whole story while he was still alive. But one of the things that I learned is that the village was was closed, was brought to an end in something called Operation Vistula. I'm not equating this with with the Holocaust. But certainly I am with anti-Semitism because it was a forced resettlement of 150,000 Ukrainians, many of whom were Lemkos. That's what I've learned uh, is really my ethnicity on my dad's side. And it was a swap because the Poles didn't want uh, the people who were Russian speaking like my forefathers. And there were people that the Russians wanted to get rid of and they swapped. And a lot of them ended up in camps. So the village was closed in Operation Vistula. I don't have notes in front of me, but this was like 1945 and and 1946. So I learned really interesting things, including the fact that if my great-grandfather had stayed in that village and, and had stayed there another 50 or 60 years, he'd have been forced out. Everybody was forced out. And the only thing left of the village is a cemetery. And in the cemetery, there's a tombstone or tombstones that have my family name on them. Okay, an incredible story if it ended right there, but it doesn't. So since coming home from Poland a couple of months ago, I've continued to use the services of a Ukrainian-based genealogist because now I know that the people who remained, my relatives who remained in the village at the time that my grandfather left, they were all forcibly relocated in most cases to eastern Ukraine, which is where all the fighting is. So if you heard me say in that Roger Waters contentious interview recently, when I said to him, I have relatives in the Donbass region, that's what I was talking about. So the Ukrainian genealogist has now helped me make uh, understand, well, who of my relatives are still alive? And many of them are in eastern Ukraine, but some, because they're frankly, their parents tried to get back to the old village, not knowing it was wiped out. They ended up settling in western Ukraine in Lviv. Okay, come on, stay awake. This is really important. Here comes the takeaway. So the genealogist with whom I'm working, who is Lviv based, ends up finding a relative of mine with my exact name. Mihailo is the way he says it, Smerikanich. Different spelling. It's in Cyrillic. I, I have to share this with, with my, my friend, Rich Custer, because he's the one who kind of turned me on to all of my ethnicity to begin with. So uh, imagine that. Like, imagine you find out, as I have just found out, that there's a person that you're related to on the other side of the globe, and they have your name. He's 70. So... I used Google Translate and I sent him a note yesterday and I I introduced myself and and explained that my only purpose is to try. I don't want somebody to think I'm after something. I just said my only purpose is I I would just like to learn more about, you know, my my family tree. So this morning before I came on air. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're getting a kick out of this. I get a note back from him and it says this. Good afternoon, my distant relative. I received your letter. I know a lot about my family, so we will be able to exchange information when we meet. I don't speak English, but my grandson knows it well. 
I have also been to Swershova Ruska many times. My grandmother is buried there, who died on the day of the eviction several years ago. And I installed a cross with a plaque on her grave. I hope to meet you. Goodbye. So on the day that Operation Vistula reached Swershova Ruska, his grandmother died. And I can only imagine that it would have been in some kind of a violent circumstance. I mean, what comes to maybe she had a heart attack. I don't know. But maybe but maybe she resisted and was killed. By either the Poles or the Soviets who were carrying out this forced resettlement. And ever since I've learned, I mean, I was always uh, I was always very keenly interested in the Holocaust. I visited years ago Auschwitz Birkenau. I've done all the reading. Ellie Wiesel's Night and uh, uh, Diary of a Real Girl from Anne, Fla- uh, Anne Frank and Churchill and the Jews. And I mean, I've read all the books, but I have to say that I've really had this um, meaningful uh, epiphany since learning that something very similar happened to my descendants on my father's side, that there came a day where, uh, you know, where where government forces came into town, rounded everybody up, sent some to a distant land and others into camps. Yeah. Well, thank you for allowing me to tell you that. I'm sorry if I brought you down, but how could I have that conversation with Dana and, and not tell you, especially where literally today, Mihailo Smerikanich reaches out for me. Oh, my God. Couldn't make it up. Uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. This is Keith. Hi, Keith. Hey, how are you, Michael? Good. Um, I had a, my grandmother had a similar experience to your, if you want to call it epiphany. Uh, she Tell was me. in Israel uh, at the uh, Yad Vashem, and um, don't ask me why. She says she doesn't know why. She went to a telephone book and looked in the telephone book under her last name, her maiden name, which was Teich. Um, and at the time, uh, she was under the belief that the, her immediate family had been annihilated at Auschwitz. Uh, my grandfather was a furrier and got my mother and my aunt and my grandmother out of Germany, bought his way out before Hitler closed the borders. Uh, and it turns out the first name was her sister's first name. And my grandmother was intrigued because how many Mitzah Teiches can there be? So she called the number. And after 47 years of thinking her sister had been annihilated, it was her sister. Oh, my God. What a story. Wow. Where was the sister located at the time? Was she in Israel? Yes. She had gotten immigrated to Israel. She was, I think, in Tel Aviv or Haifa. I don't remember. And why had she assumed that her sister had not made it? Uh, she hadn't heard from her in 47 years, and um, they stayed. A lot of uh, Jews, and my mother tells the story, and my mother and my, uh, ended up in a concentration camp anyway, even though they got out of uh, Germany. They still ended up in a, in a detention camp. Um, and uh, a lot of them stayed in the mid-30s uh, because they bought into the rhetoric that, you know, Hitler can't possibly mean what he says. You know, we're we're just going right. to be. Uh, we'll, we'll did, be did, fine. did your the, did your mother did your fine. mother thereafter have a relationship with her sister? You mean my grandmother? Your grandmother? 
Yes. Pardon me. Yes, until she passed away in 1987. In other words, they resumed they resumed a relationship after mm-hmm. half a century. Yes. Wow, that's inc- that's incredible. I I think I don't know how and I don't know when, but I think I'm going to have to go back as soon as the situation is safe in Ukraine. I'm I'm going to have to make this trip. I mean, don't you think I have to go find the guy with my name to whom I'm related? I would. I would. I, I have would to. Be- Especially, and I don't know what the circumstances are as far as you're concerned. I don't know whether uh, you were under the belief that, you know, your family members had perished or, or whatever the reason is. But when you find something like that, uh, even if it turns out not to be the person you thought it is, you have to. It's just human nature. I have to. I know I would. I have to. No, it's, it's I, the bucket list. <laughs> By the way, Keith, that's a remarkable story. Thank you for sharing it. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, have a good day. You too. My bucket list has obviously just expanded. It has obviously just expanded. And I've told you pretty much everything I know. When I look at the family tree, like in Ancestry and my heritage, my dad's side is so built out now. I went from knowing nothing to knowing almost too much. I can't express to you how he's, re- I can't tell you, like, he's my seventh cousin removed. I don't know how to verbalize it. I only know that we are related. He's got my name. He's, he's about 10 years older than I am. And his grandmother died on the day of Operation Vistula coming to that village. What more do I need to know? Book me a plane ticket. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.